Welcome to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. I'm Liz and I'm obsessed with the future of work and all things co-working and flexible work. In our second season, we're focusing on technology. I'll be interviewing amazing humans from all over the map in this five-part series. We'll be exploring the future of work, technology, new models, and of course, somehow I'll work in some health and wellness. Let's get started. Welcome back to Workplace Trends. We are focusing on technology and we're so excited to have Jessica Knapp with us all the way from New Zealand today. Hi, Liz. How's it going? Good. So glad to have you. We are going to jump straight into a speed round because you know me, I like to just get started. So the other day I was talking to you and you were in an orchard. So... I'd like to know. Favorite fruit? Um, I'd love to be able to say something exotic, but it's probably the simple nectarine. I love it. I'm an apple girl. I'm an apple almost every day. Oh, God, you really do need to come to the orchard. We've got so many of those. (laughs) Um, Okay, Android or iPhone? iPhone. Of course. Robots in the house, yes. Robots in the house, no. No. App you can't live without? Oh, shoot. Um, Is it boring to say the Gmail app? No, it's not boring. Or Google Maps? Oh, Google Maps is probably my... I wouldn't be able to like leave my house without it. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, where are you taking your first vacation after pandemic? Probably just because of the sake of ease and the way New Zealand is at the moment with closed borders, probably somewhere in the Pacific Islands. Ooh. So I'm just going to disappear onto a beach. That sounds really good. Or Istanbul. Or Istanbul. One of the two. Fabulous. And where was the best vacation you ever took? There are two that come to mind. One in Vanuatu, again, in the Pacific Islands. And the other in Istanbul. I've been six times. I love it. Oh, that's my my Italy. I keep going back to Italy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah too. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. So in these crazy times, I've always start with the same question for everybody and it's pretty easy. It's how are you? Really? How are you? For the most part, I'm pretty good. Although I will say the last year, I've probably felt more adrift and lost professionally, I would say than I ever have. But in terms of personal relationships and things like that, I'm stronger and better than ever. And I'm loving all of the talking to my friends overseas and Um, you know, clubhouse for that, you know, all of that kind of thing. So in terms of connectivity, and I'm a real, I love my friendships. They're sort of the jewel in my crown of my life, if you would say. And um, yeah, that's, I think in that, in that regard, I feel like I'm thriving. (laughs) Yeah, I totally hear you. I have, I feel like I've definitely been on a roller coaster. The pandemic has been a roller coaster for me. There's times that I'm like, I'm doing all the stuff. I'm going to leave this thing healthier and I'm going to eat good and I'm going to work out and I'm going to meditate. And then I just like throw it out the window for a few weeks and I'm just like, I'm over it. I want to go somewhere. And then I'll be like, wait, pick yourself up, get back on there, do the things. And then I'll like do all the things and I'll feel better and I'll be on that for a while. And then I'll just be like, what are we going to (laughs) do? It's just been a real roller coaster. I feel like it's it's been inconsistent and the, like the inconsistency has been consistent, which might sound a bit funny, but yeah, I think that's the thing. And I'm a very type A person and don't do well with the unknown and unpredictability, but it's been very good for stretching that muscle of mine for sure. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then how are things going in New Zealand? Like you guys are the darling of the pandemic, like got it together. (laughs) And then it seemed like there was like a little hiccup and then it seemed like you got it back together. And I just kind of, if you could just kind of tell us how it's been going and how it's going now. Yeah. So New Zealand went hard and fast in terms of lockdowns. We locked down, it's almost a year to the day. I think we're about a week off maybe. We locked down completely for six weeks. You couldn't even go out and buy a pair of socks if you needed to. The only things that were open was the hospital, the pharmacy and the grocery store. So that was definitely a wild time. And we've had a couple of little flurries ever since that kind of got through at the border because, again, our border is closed and you have to go into managed isolation for two weeks. So that was New Zealand's approach. And now we have this sort of suspended sort of reality. Or The reality actually is that life is completely back to normal in New Zealand. No one wears masks. Oh, um, really? Particularly, yeah, particularly in the regions where I am. So Auckland is not our capital city, but our largest city. Um, and people have to wear masks on public transport and things like that. But people are very much, very much back in the office, you know, I'd say May, June of last year and life very much returned to normal. And there's been a lot of great memes on the internet. We've just had our big, you know, Christmas time is our big summer holiday as well. So lots of festivals and music festivals and things like that. And a lot of hilarious memes coming out of the northern hemisphere telling New Zealanders to shut up with all of their freedom and things like that so (laughs) yeah and in terms of the co-working landscape I think there's been a real bounce back to uh, I think there's been a bigger uptake in hot desking and things like that I think we have a similar thing with landlords who are wanting to convert floors or whatever to co-working and things like that lots of talk about management agreements and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And I know recently that you left a job that you were doing, I guess it's not recent anymore, and that you branched out on your own. Can you tell us like what you're doing these days? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's been about a year. So I quit my big startup job, um, Mm -hmm. which I built with um, the founders and then COVID hit two weeks later, um, which was impeccable timing on my behalf. Um, (laughs) And I thought that I had ruined my life and my career, which turns out to not have been true at all. So I started my business called Brightwork and I'm a little bit embarrassed to say, you know, a year on, I still don't 100% know how to define exactly what it is I do. There are sort of the main component is I do technology consulting for co-working spaces. I've also done a bit of work now with co-working spaces with helping design membership offers, floor plan layout, feasibility studies, all of that kind of thing as well. And so I've worked with a company in, the U- um, in Australia that have just done a build, a couple of local co-working spaces here in New Zealand, and also did some work with the women who co-work um, in the US as well. Yeah, so that's the main part of what I do. Very, very cool. And so since you are looking at technology and co-working spaces, what do you think is like the part that people mess up the most often or forget to address? I think it's 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 not even one specific thing. It's looking at the day-to-day routine of the member or the, the client, if you will, and seeing all of the touch points in their day where technology would enhance or take away from their experience in the space. So I think a lot of people overlook and don't necessarily map that out correctly. I think another thing that people don't think about as much is implementing technology that not only 
supports the public facing components of the space, which is, you know, online bookings for conference rooms and things like that, mm-hmm. but also making sure that they support the internal member experience as well. And I think because co-working is relative relatively newish, the technology is relatively newish as well. And so there are some that are doing it. Um, and you know, I think it's got a long way to go as well. So yeah. Yeah, I um I think another area that people often don't spend enough time on is designing before they build and making sure that they're like laying all the right cabling and that they've got the right power everywhere. I can't believe how many times I go to a co-working space and I'm just searching for power. And I'm like, how did you not think about this? Everybody's going to need power everywhere they are. I just did a build here and I went to do a walkthrough with my sister who was doing all the the design and the furniture sourcing and things like that. And I suddenly looked around and I was like, oh my God, there are not enough PowerPoints in the hot desking room. And I had a freak out and I called the electrician and thankfully he was like, yeah, no worries. Like just a real Kiwi bloke. And he was like, yeah, 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 no worries. I'll be there. I'll add as many as you want. And he thought I was being over the top, but I was not. (laughs) And I think the other thing that people forget as well is you do a co-working build and then you get humans in there and humans mess up your beautiful plans and all of the things that you thought you had perfectly set up and I think don't be upset by that because it's probably going to happen and just use it as a bit of a learning curve as well like don't be so rigid yeah yeah that's really good advice yeah I I had to go back and put power poles into one space because I there just wasn't enough and there was glass everywhere and I'm like but I need power and so yeah afterwards had to go back and install power because it's so crucial. And like, where is wireless charging? Like, why haven't that been bought more forward? Like, I can charge my toothbrush, but like, I need to wirelessly charge everything. I feel like that's a that's a problem. I think it's a problem as well. Yeah. Um, I think those yeah. scientists should get busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's also They're, behavioral change as well, right? Like, I've got to have all of my cords with me all the time. Right, right. Can you imagine not having to do that? I can't wait for that. So, it seems like you have such an entrepreneurial drive. I know you do. And I'm curious where that comes from. I I would say my entrepreneurial drive probably kicked in relatively early in my career. Like, you know, as someone in my very early 20s, I didn't really, you know, you got a job and you did the thing and, you know, whatever. But my, as mentioned earlier, my family have an organic apple and pear orchard here in New Zealand. My dad's American. He moved to New Zealand, you know, 40 years ago. And it was just a bunch of paddocks and he planted this orchard with certain varieties that he saw sort of coming down the pike in terms of popularity and marketability. And he switched to organics 25 years ago, which was really, really ahead of the curve. And even now as an entrepreneur, I sort of look back on that and think to myself, jeepers, that was a really, what a risky move that would have been. And the time, you know, it's a seven year conversion process and things like that as well. Um, And New Zealand is incredibly strict on the organic code of ethics and all of that kind of thing. So, so yes, so observing my father in that as well. And my mum is also, she's never had a job job. However, she had her own landscaping company at one point. She did jewellery design and she makes the most beautiful jewellery in our shed at home and sells it to all of her friends. These gorgeous, heavy gold bangles. And she does all this really amazing stuff at edging. And I always tell that she, I always say, you know, she could sell, you know, water to a drowning man. And she's a real hustler and sort of, you know, really forced us kids to be quiet, really friendly talk to everybody be friends with everybody you know you never quite know what those outcomes are going to be and I think that was a really big part of my growing up was you know my parents being what I like to call entrepreneurial maniacs and just swinging for the fences and going for it 
and I've worked ever since I was 14, you know, so I sort of look around now and I see other people building things and I think to myself, you know, why can't I do that? And uh, yeah, so that's kind of it. It's a bit learned and a bit inherited as well, I would say. Yeah, I got I take a lot of inspiration from my dad. He worked in corporate America for a really long time and I did my corporate America stint. And then he went out and opened a beverage distribution company and did really oh, wow. well with that and then eventually sold that. And and he's been a, like a really great mentor to me along the way. He's like still giving me advice all the time, which I love. And, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, we do watch so much of what our parents do. And it sounds like your sister is an entrepreneur as well. Yeah, she is. So yeah, she had a big career in Hollywood as a set designer and a prop designer, which as someone from a small town in New Zealand was just like the craziest thing. And I was living in LA at the time as well, working in, you know, running my co-working space at Next Space um, with Iris and all the Next Space mm-hmm. team. And yeah, she's come back and she does, you know, photography and videography and design and things. And she is this combination of an incredibly creative brain, but she's incredibly pragmatic. So she's always a really good person to have on your on your team. I love it. I love it. Can the I share family. a quick anecdotal story about my career transition that I just yeah, made? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I talked to you guys about this in our clubhouse chat last week, but right in the middle of the pandemic and after I had just quit my big startup job, I was headhunted by another SaaS company who were based out of New York. And as a New Zealander, it's always flattering that you get noticed, you know, down here in the little corner of the world. And it was probably in about, I'd say, oh, the, you know, April-ish. So, you know, deep in the middle of the pandemic. And I felt very uncertain about my future and the company that I wanted to build for myself and things like that. And I sort of um, took my eye off the ball for a moment and thought that I would sort of follow this path. And, you know, it was good, stable money and, you know, opportunity to travel once we could again and all of that kind of thing. And I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with it for weeks and weeks and really went far down the road. And I was doing one of my many orchard walks and just sort of getting my head clear. And I ran into my dad who was doing some pruning and he was like, you know, have you made a decision yet? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to do it. And he was like, good on you, kiddo. Like, and like really, and he was like, I was hoping you were going to say that, you know? And I thought to myself, I was like, thank you for not telling me what to do, but also supporting me when I sort of made that decision. So I love that. Yeah. At some point, partway through the pandemic, my dad said to me, why are you still doing this? Why don't you just go get a job job? And like, I was very taken aback, but it was really good because it made me like really look at it and be like, why am I doing this? And, you know, and I'm like, cause I'm not done yet. Cause I've spent a lot of time and energy on being in this field and I love this field and I want to continue to help it grow and nurture and be the best it can be. And I'm not done yet. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. And yeah, I could go get a lot of different JOBs, but that wouldn't satisfy me anymore. That's exactly right. And it almost feels a bit like a betrayal to yourself and like not to sound all sort of emotional about it. But for me, it was like, I can't abandon the dreams and the hopes that I had for this thing this early into it, even though I am very, very afraid. Thankfully, I had very much meticulously planned financially so that I had the luxury of being able to do that. And Mm -hmm. I'm a single person with no kids and no mortgage. So that certainly makes those decisions much easier. But yeah, to anyone who's thinking about transitioning, make sure you you have yourself 
a bit of a cushion. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And also like the wings don't appear until you jump. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Didn't yeah. even know that they were in there. <laughs> yeah. You had no idea. They were just tucked, no idea. tucked on the back and they're pretty. <laughs> and they <laughs> Couldn't even see them through a bathing suit. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> So, um, so this is a super fun question for me as, um, I think my listeners probably already know, cause I'm blathering about it a lot. Cause it's kind of what's happening in my life. I went back to graduate school and I'm getting a degree in foresight. So I'm always looking towards the future and I just do that naturally. And so I would love for us to talk for a few minutes about what could be the future of these spaces in 15 years. So what will it look like? So what will it look like? What will that technology be doing? And kind of like you walk into the space and... Everyone has a flying chair. (laughs) Flying chair comes and you just sit on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Is a Um, robot greeting you? Yeah. And I think just like doing things for you as well, maybe. I don't know. Like an Alexa mixed with a Roomba. Actually, that's probably going to look really old school by then as well. What does it look like? If I put sort of back on my technology operator Mm -hmm. brain, I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of the... I would imagine there's been some acquisition and not as many co-working technology operators. I'd imagine there's sort of maybe a couple, maybe less than what we see now and a bit more amalgamation. So maybe the end user experience, the members, um, is a little more ubiquitous, I guess, in a way, a little bit mm-hmm. of the way that we, you know, would use Uber or Airbnb or something like that. And yeah, so that's that's probably, again, that's from sort of the back end perspective, which is weirdly what I'm always thinking about. I'd say that and I think probably more emphasis on uh, flexibility I'd say Um, particularly if more landlords are coming to the party now that's going to look really interesting in Mm -hmm. you know 15 years time and I think the spaces that do well and sort of stand the test of time through all of that will be the ones who are you know able to really focus in on you know that human experience as well I think one thing that people overlook a lot in implementing technology is you know technology is fine but you still need humans and you still need humans to make the things go most of the time. So yeah, that's a bit of a funny answer, but yeah, because I'm thinking like, I want to walk in to the space that is got the best air that has the best lighting that's sensing what lighting we need, which already exists. Yeah. You know, the the lighting that just moves based off of where the sun is and what the weather's like outside and that it's probably pretty open air and it probably doesn't look anything like we see now. Hopefully everything's not square. I don't know why everything has to be square and that it's more organic and there's more of a um, marrying of um biophilia and design where it's really the design will mimic nature and be more fluid. And maybe even, you know, you go into a room to have a meeting and you pick what the theme of the room is going to be and it'll change to whatever you want it to be. Maybe you would like to sit in a jungle today, or maybe you'd like to sit in a modern New York studio, or maybe you'd like to sit on a pasture and it automatically gives you almost, you know, the probably virtual reality world and then you can have your meeting in this virtual world with other people that are maybe there or not there physically so you've you've obviously spent way more time thinking about this than I have. <laughs> that sounds awesome I want all of those things please <laughs> I, but one thing that you have touched on and I talk about 
about this a lot just in my day-to-day life. And I know we have technology and technology is moving faster and faster. But I think in parallel to that, there is a sense of, if you will, like a return or an iteration of going back to a more holistic way of living. So more plants and spaces, more outdoor areas, more um, air quality, you know, all of that kind of thing. And it's sort of like working in the fields Mm 2.0 or 5.0 or Mm -hmm. whatever that might be. And it's like, yes, I might be sitting on my laptop or my virtual keyboard by then, who knows? And, you know, I can hear jungle sounds or rain sounds or whatever that might be. And actually, when I'm doing my concentration time, I put my headphones in and I always put on like soundscapes because I know that was a conversation. One of the speakers at Juicy a few years Mm -hmm. ago talked about playlists for concentration. So now like I remember him saying specifically, don't listen to anything with a guitar in it. So Mm -hmm. now I don't. I have like a piano playlist and I have like a nature playlist. But again, like if you so think of it from even like a sales and marketing perspective, if you're having a client come who's a they have an Amazonian berry that they're selling in a beverage for example and you're doing a pitch meeting for them imagine if you can convert that conference room into like a jungle scape or something like that Mm -hmm. like it just enhances that whole experience that's super cool well and I think like the health aspect of it too by then will just be done it'll be done we'll all be in buildings that are healthy we'll be in spaces that are making us healthier just by sitting in them because right now we're sitting in spaces that are making us sicker not healthier sicker so that's gonna flip and you know the other thing is it's like yes I love to think about things like you know, virtual reality and how, um, you know, eventually we will get to, you know, teleportation and things like that. But no matter what, nothing can replace face-to-face and nothing ever will. And that even, you know, with Zoom, which we've had this giant experience, experiment with. It's great. I love seeing your face, but I can't hug you. I'm missing some inferences in your yeah. in your face because it's digitized. And so, you know, actually Adam Grant's podcast I was listening to, and if you turn off your video, you will actually infer more out of the conversation because you'll be more finely attuned to the verbal cues. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just technology can help us so, so, so much, but it's never, ever going to replace humans. And, and I think that people that are like afraid of robots and AI and stuff, you know, yes, eventually they will get to the point where they're learning and sensing and have feelings and all those things, but we're still going to be there and we're still going to have to, you know, manage things and and you can't replace human creativity. Certainly not. And that's so, you can't, I don't know how you would ever replicate that in like, in terms of like robotics or technology or anything like that, because it's so, um, humans are rogues, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) hard, hard to pin down. One thing I will add to the future of the workspace thing is no more bad chairs like my lower back has just taken a beating the last couple of years and I'm always searching for like the perfect chair 
Sorry. Well, and why can't we get better chairs on airplanes? They are literally the most uncomfortable chairs in the world, unless you pay $10,000 for a first-class mm. seat, which is ridiculous on so many levels. The seats mm. that they have in economy are criminal from a ergonomic standpoint. Horrific. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm with you. So important. <laughs> so important. So okay. So, all around. So, what should I have? asked you about that I didn't about technology or you? Maybe not the thing that you should have asked me about, but something that I always like to sort of note and mention to people is depending on what your workspace or your co-working space needs, there's not one size fits all in terms of technology. And I think the operational cost of setting up a new co-working space, particularly for like a solo operator or something like that, can be, it's, it's a massive outlay of costs. And I think that there is a really quick an easy lo-fi way to set up your space from a technology perspective and then observe, see how things go and then understand how integrated you might need to be in six to 12 months time. I think that people go all in on trying to automate every single bloody thing right from the moment people walk in the door, but you haven't been able to observe the real human behavior in the space and what your members actually need. So if you feel confident and comfortable in doing it, I typically tell people to like, just put a few bits and pieces in place, set up flexible agreements with your vendors if you can. Um, and then if you need to go for the whole, the whole big kahuna later on and, you know, have, you know, everything office R&D and integrated with everything and whatever, that's, that's always a good move. Again, particularly as it comes to operational and setup costs and things like that. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And also, I don't think enough owners spend enough time just watching people because nope. you'll see them searching for a place to plug in. You will see them trying to move a desk because the lighting is really bad with the window behind them. Or you'll see them, you know, carrying in a bunch of stuff into a meeting room and you should go ask them why. And they'll be like, oh, well, you don't have this, this, and this. So I just just bring it from my desk. You know, it's yeah. like really be in your space and observing in your space and you will learn so, so much. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, you know, and that's one thing that I'm a big proponent of. I know that there are quite a few technology consultants and things out there. And just on the weekend, I was having a conversation with a family friend, his, his mum, and she had a very, very, very complex WordPress web, website set up for her by a development shop. And actually all she needed was a very simple. She's an author. She doesn't mm. need anything complex. And now she's got this massive chunky website that she has no idea how to update herself, nor does she have the inclination to learn to do so. And I got sort of a bit hit up on her behalf because I think there's a real responsibility to people like me who do this kind of work to go, let's assess where this person's threshold is and the amount of time they have and the mm -hmm. appetite for implementing technology and learning about technology um, and going, okay, this is what we can do here today and perhaps we can have a larger conversation later on down the line, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways, that's sort of my, I get really frustrated by that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's because you're passionate and you care, which is a great thing. <laughs> um, and something you haven't asked me personally, you haven't asked me what my favorite type of dinosaur is. Oh, um, well, did, do tell. Actually offended, no. Uh, <laughs> um, it is actually, I think it's actually technically not a dinosaur, but it's a pterodactyl because of the flying element. Um, I love so. that. I love what that. Would your I... favorite, what would your favorite dinosaur be? 
Oh, I love a T-Rex. Mainly because of all the funny memes about them. Yeah. And because I can kind of be one. Yeah. (laughs) And for those of y'all who can't see the video, it's me trying to mimic a T-Rex with my arms. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Okay. So I have one final question for you. Where were okay. you when you were 12 years old? Geographically, I was yeah, in New yeah. Zealand. Where were you in the world? I was in New Zealand. In okay. My hometown, so where I am right now. So you're running around, no shoes, having fun. And now you get the opportunity to go back and tell 12-year-old Jessica about just some advice about the future and what would you tell her? It weirdly makes me feel slightly emotional. I would tell her to have a little more confidence in herself and her ability and sort of, yeah, that would probably be the big the big thing that I would say. And don't sort of be as rigid in your ideas about yourself and the world and hitting certain milestones at certain ages because life comes at you real fast. And if you can't be nimble, then you sort of get a bit left behind. Those would probably be the two main things. I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah, I, I think the most, I, I ask this a lot because I really like this question and it makes me emotional too because you think about that child you were but what I hear most often which I love is everyone is like it's gonna be okay you're gonna screw up and it's gonna be okay yeah 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 I think I think that's the one that's the one and also um actually another thing I probably would say is that there's not ever been a situation that you haven't been able to figure out for better or for worse like you know you know how sometimes you just don't know the size of the mountain that you're climbing and sometimes it's better that way and then you get to the top and you're like Jesus if I hadn't known how big that was (laughs) I probably wouldn't have done it yeah Yeah. that's how I operate all the time oh yeah I don't want to see the top I know I don't want to know how big it is I'm just gonna trudge up it got it yeah Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that question. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, I don't think, you know, we were um, talking about just like acknowledging that like how you don't spend a lot of time going back and thinking about where was I and what was I thinking and what was I doing and what do I need to hear then? Because I guarantee if you need to hear it then, you need to hear it now. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're all still 12 in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, for sure. For sure. Time, 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 the passing of time is the most confusing and tricky and weird thing. I had like an 18 year old be like, whoa, you're 36. And I was like, yeah, I remember being your age and saying the same thing to a 36 year old. And don't be so unkind to us because it's coming for you as well. Like, <laughs> oh, time is so trippy. And then the pandemic made oh. it like accelerate in a super weird way. Like, I just went from March 1st to March 17th in like two days. Yes. I literally did. I don't know how that happened, but it it felt like two days. And yeah, it's it's so weird. And now I'm, I'm at, at risk health-wise. So I've already had my first and second shot and I'm a week and a half away from freedom. And I'm a little flipped out about it. I'm like, what am I going to do? You're probably going to get gonna go? so tired after your first party. You have to go home <laughs> and like have a long rest for like three days or something. But actually, yeah. do you 
So in New Zealand, because we had that six weeks and we sort of returned to normalcy quite quickly, towards the very end, we were sort of down a couple of tiers. It was a tiered mm-hmm. approach. And mum and dad had some family friends around and my sister and I came over and we were all sitting at a distance and they sat out on the lawn and we sat up on the patio and we sort of had this weird bonfire in the middle of us. I don't know. And interacting with them after not seeing anyone but my parents and my sister for six weeks. And I was it was luxurious that I had that many people in my bubble. I'm aware of that. But I felt high after talking to two different people and we got into everything and we drank so much wine and we talked so much shit about life and death and taxes and everything in between. <laughs> but I, I honestly, I was on a high for like two days. It was mm-hmm. it was like medicine or something. It was, and it still baffles me now when I think about it. It was just that first interaction. It was amazing. So I had an experience sort of like that, which by the way, I love following you on Instagram because I get to see these like garden parties and beaches and dogs. And it's like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Cause I'm in like <laughs> suburban Austin, Texas. And, but I went out with, it was a, a friend's birthday and it was a beautiful night in Austin, Texas. And it was at a restaurant that was at a new hotel and it was very swanky. And they've put all these, um, they put all the Christmas lights up, but then they, sorry, spazzy, but then they, they left the Christmas lights up. So there's just lights all the way down the street and there's all these new buildings in Austin and there, everything is lit up. There are people everywhere. Everybody's dressed up and it is just like, we are out in the big city and it was fantastic. I was like, we kept saying, this doesn't feel real. This doesn't feel real. And it was so great. It was like, it feels like the before times. It was so cool. It's, it's, that's such a wonderful thing. And I, I hope that we don't quickly adjust and bounce back so much so that we forget about that sort of day-to-day human experience. And like, I'm not really an introverted person at all. I love people. I would make friends with a broom in a closet, you know, like I (laughs) talk to anyone or make friends with anyone. And I love people and I'm so interested in people. And I just, and again, being out in the world, I just kind of marvel at people again. Like, yes, there's a lot of awful things that have happened as well, but there's so many good things that have happened too. And that's what I love about the co-working industry is that it has really beautifully fit in with this idea that I have about people being brought together and colliding with different walks of life and races and ages and skill sets and all of this kind of stuff. And I think mushing people together in a post-pandemic world is going to be like, cool. Yeah, it's going to be, be so amazing. Fun. Well, and that's the thing. Like, okay, so we're coming out of, you know, the hardest year. This is our war. This is our thing. This is what we're going to be talking about forever. But, yeah. you know, we we need to take like so simple, such an easy thing. But like I have learned that Liz Elam needs to go on a walk every day, just like a dog. I need some fresh air. I need some exercise and I crave it. And I don't want to lose that. And I also, you know what? I learned to slow down. I don't need to get on a plane every two weeks. Like I used to like be driven to travel. And it's like, I've learned a little bit about slowing down. I think actually we will be, you know, talking about, you guys remember when it was so great, when it was a pandemic and there was no pressure to go anywhere and we could all just lounge around in our pajamas and watch Netflix. You know, I think there will be like, we will be saying that in no time. And, but I do think, you know, co-working wise, 
we lost a lot of amazing people because they were in trouble before the pandemic and the pandemic just ended them. And we've lost a lot of people, but I'm seeing people coming into the business in droves. And I'm not talking just real estate people. I'm seeing a lot of small businesses opening up co-working spaces. And in the places that have reopened, we are seeing that wave we've been talking about. And as corporations come back and people come out and people get vaccinated, we will see this tremendous growth. And we have this opportunity to really make a difference because everybody in the co-working world knows the secret sauce of community. And they know about collisions and collaboration and that we're not competitors and that there's enough business for everybody. And we can just lift each other up and continue to do that and provide these spaces and these places that invigorate humans. And that's what it's all about. That's that's what it's all about. And, you know, curating those sort of serendipitous moments, if you will. And I just, yeah, I love co-working for that. And I'm so excited to see sort of how it bounces back and, you know, what it looks like for people. Like the co-working space build I just did here in my hometown, they're a marketing agency who have, you know, built this co-working space and their tagline is uh, co-working, uh, working from home is so 2020, um, <laughs> which is cool and quippy and funny and totally of the times, you know. Um, I love it. But yeah, it's, um, but you know, they've just seen people go, oh my God, I'm just sick of my kids or whatever. But I think you're right though, like the walking is a wonderful thing. The slowing down is a wonderful thing. And I was like, you, like I was flying from New Zealand to America like mm-hmm. every couple of months for, mm-hmm. and to the northern and off to Europe and the UK and things like that. It was I got to a point where getting on like the big aeroplane was sort of like catching a bus. And I'm like, I don't like that about myself because traveling is a privilege and traveling is one of my most fun and joyful things to do. And I don't like that it became the norm like it's that. It's a grind. Like yeah. it looks glamorous from social media. Let me tell you, it's oh, a shit, grind. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's those chairs. I'm talking about. They're horrible. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, don't get me started on that. But I have had so much fun talking to you. I knew the time was just going to fly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to wrap this up. (laughs) But thank you so much for your time and for being that human that I know would make friends with that broom because like your light shines so bright. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) Thank you. That's... um... Thank, thank you. I don't quite know how to receive compliments like that, but that's very sweet. And you too as well. And I miss my co-working friends and obviously we're regular friends as well, but um, yeah. I just can't wait to get back together again. And I love this community for, I feel so far away from my co-working community at the moment. And I just can't wait to get back together with everybody. And I'm probably going to cry for like a full day or something. Like oh, just we all are. We ages. all are. That's why I'm building in those two hours of like, <laughs> let's just hug for two hours. <laughs> Exactly, (laughs) but uh, I want to make sure that JC's the place where we do it. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for having me on. This is actually my first time being um, on a podcast, Um, so oh, I feel so special. Yeah, long time listener, first time caller. So um, yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. No, I'm so happy to be here, and I love the Juicy Podcast. And yeah, I hope people enjoy listening to this. I know they will. Thank you so much, Jessica. And y'all stay tuned for the next episode.
Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. Please subscribe to the Juicy Podcast to be sure you won't miss our next season. If you enjoyed this episode, please keep listening and throw us a like. Until next time, take care of yourself. Ciao.